630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Season over for the Toronto Blue Jays. Hunter Renfro with a grand slam this afternoon, helping the Rays knock off the Jays 8-2. So Tampa sweeps that best of three to nothing. Also, the Athletics stay alive 5-3 over the White Sox. So that series tied 1-1. Miami beat the Cubs 5-1. That was the first game in that series. Houston finishing off the Twins. A 3-1 win for the Astros, who were 29-31 and in the short and regular season. So they move on. The Braves in 13 innings win game one over the Reds. 1-0 the score there. Yankees and Cleveland just underway. Yankees up 1-0 in the series. This game uh, was rain-delayed. And now uh, into the bottom of the first, got that on the tube here in the old office. And in the seventh, the Cardinals are up 6-4 on the Padres in game one of their best of three and getting underway in a few minutes. It's the Brewers and the Dodgers. Game one of the NBA Finals tonight tips off in about an hour. We'll keep you updated on that one once it gets started. And a situation we'll uh, discuss uh, throughout the show this evening. And I'm always happy to hear from you. The number to call and text is 780-496-0063. Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet tweeting out this morning, one situation Edmonton is monitoring. Oscar Clefbaum is weighing options to deal with injuries from last season. One of the possibilities is surgery that could keep him out long-term. His absence would need to be addressed, and Friedman adding in parentheses, obviously we don't know when next season will begin. We don't. I don't think it's going to be uh, until January at the earliest. Who knows? Maybe it gets pushed back into February. But we still want to look back on uh, this past season that ended Monday night with the Tampa Bay Lightning defeating the Dallas Stars in Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Final. And please welcome back to Inside Sports, the former head coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings, now an assistant with the Dallas Stars. It is Derek Laxdahl. Derek, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well. Thanks a lot for checking in tonight. Uh, it's been great that we've been able to stay in touch uh, since you left the Oil Kings. And I know you, you loved Edmonton during your tenure here. Uh, and you got to spend the last two months in Edmonton. <laughs> and I know you like Edmonton in the summer. But a little different circumstances, though. You probably didn't, you couldn't get out and enjoy the city like you did as a resident. Well, we could, you know, um, uh, if you look back, we actually arrived in Edmonton on July 26th. And the, I remember the drive from the airport into the hotel by the arena, the JW Marriott. And we've, we've driven that road many times going to Red Deer, going to Calgary and in and out of the city of Edmonton. But I tell you what, once we got into the bubble, I couldn't tell you what city I was in. I think the only thing the saving grace I had, I could see the Eskimo Stadium. And uh, I could see the uh, the QN University, but uh, after that, I, you know, after the first month and, two, and the second month, um, we didn't know what day it was, we didn't know what month it was, we didn't know what time of the year it was, we didn't know where we were. Just everything was so. Uh, I got to be honest with you, I just got back to Winnipeg yesterday. We flew straight to Winnipeg to so quarantine, and I got to be honest with you, it almost felt like I was in a dream. I'm like, okay, now I'm back here with my daughters, my, my granddaughter, my wife. I go, uh, where was I for the last? two and a half months so it, it's very uh not surreal but just it seems like you just kind of in a in a uh, blip of a moment we were there and gone now we're moving on it's it just it was incredible but uh i had a lot of good memories at everything it was too bad we didn't get the chance to go outside and visit people i did get a chance to see uh brian cheeseman and rogan dean who were working in the bubble and helping all the teams and 
Uh, the Old Kings uh, trainers and equipment manager, they did a great job. But uh, uh, that being said, you know, the, the NHL and the city of Edmonton, the bubble that we were in, uh, was well ran. We, we met a lot of great uh, ladies who were running the testing stations. We saw them every day doing our COVID testing. And, uh, you know, we, it was great because we had a lot of these uh, people that were cheering on the Dallas Stars. So they really made us feel welcome to, to the city of Edmonton the farther we got into the playoffs. So uh, that being said, when you, when you look back and you reflect on, you know, the guards, the nurses, the hotel staff, the arena staff, and the effort that everybody put in, it was uh, quite an accomplishment to get this thing, uh, get this thing knocked off without one case of COVID. What uh, what kind of things did you do personally, and what kind of things did did coaches maybe do for players, or maybe even for each other, to kind of uh, keep focused and keep from maybe feeling that isolation? Or sometimes did you just have to allow yourself to feel that way and and then let it pass? Well, the hardest, the hardest part was probably the round robin. I think we, um, in the first three games that we played, or the four games we played, three games we played the round robin, there was about two or three days for us. I think between August 1st and August 9th, we played three games. We had a lot of downtime. So um, the mindset was, boy, this is the way it's going to be. It's going to be long and drawn out. And then once we got into that first series, you know, we played uh, Calgary to six, six games. We were kind of expecting a day or two off, and then league is like, you know, you're playing the next day. So we had a day off, you get a day of prep, and then you're playing Colorado. You finish Colorado in seven, you know, you get a day off, bang, you're going to Las, Las Vegas. Now you're playing Las Vegas. We beat them in five, and that was the only series we had four or five days off, which was quite nice, but we were ready to get going. But just, you know, when you're in that groove of game preparation, uh, game on, game preparation, game on, you really didn't, uh, it, it, you know, if you look back and think about it, you really, really didn't have any downtime because we're prepping, you know, you're cutting video, getting ready for your meeting. I run the power play in the six on five, so I was already getting ready for the next game with the review. And then at the next series went on, we were doing the prep for the next series. So there wasn't really much downtime. We did spend a lot of time together as a coaching staff throughout the two months. Um, uh, there wasn't one fight. <laughs> There's a lot of red wine that was great. But at the end of the day, you know, just uh, we really grew as a family. We really grew as a staff because, as you know, we were kind of thrown together on that December 10th. And uh, it, it was kind of a weird season if you look back on it. But moving through the bubble, you know, it just wasn't, you know, the players had a lounge. We had a ping pong table. I think there were some things in the arena for the players to do. But um, you really, I think the farther you went in the playoffs, your team got tighter. And I think that can only uh, play out well for the Dallas Stars uh, going into next year, whenever that starts. Derek Laxtall, assistant coach from the Dallas Stars, joining us tonight on Inside Sports. You know, one of the one of the big storylines for the Stars this season was that Jim Montgomery was was let go as head coach. Rick Bonus took over, and and you joined the staff. Uh, um, you know, after being with the Texas Stars, it, it, tell me a little bit about uh, gelling with the other guys. Uh, I mean, obviously, you and you and Nelly have have passed ties to the Oilers uh, organization, and I know the coaching fraternity is a small one, so everybody usually knows each other, or maybe were teammates, or you know, at some point in the past, or, or whatever. But what, what was it like uh, coming into that situation, and maybe a little bit on on bonus handling all of that? Well, you know, it, it happened so abruptly where, you know, I think we spoke before, I was driving to a Christmas party on December 10th, and we got the call, which was almost a year ago, in a couple months, uh, I got the call, like we made a coaching change. But from that point coming in, uh, Rick Bonus was outstanding. You know, he's such a bubbly guy. I'm sure you've met him and talked to him before. 
been in the NHL 50 years. I think this is his third county cup, so you can see how hard it is to get there and not only get a chance to win it, but uh, he was awesome. He, uh, the, uh, he delegated the power play. He said, you can run the power play. He said, yeah, I got it. And uh, John Stevens, who was a former head coach for the Philadelphia Flyers and the Los Angeles Kings and Coach Nurse, they actually were the same age. We uh, played against each other. And him and Todd Nelson, they were all great. You know, the transition was outstanding. And then when we had the break at the end of the year with the COVID, uh, COVID break, you know, as most coaching staff, we're meeting once a, once a week on the Zoom calls, getting ready for training camp and uh, working on the areas that we're trying to improve on. And the one thing that we really worked on as a team, and I thought that the coaching staff did a great job of coming together, was we weren't a high-scoring team in the regular season. We didn't have a lot of ozone time, and that was one area we really tried to work on and get better at. And as, you know, if you look at the first three games on the play, and we just didn't look ourselves. And then once we got going against Calgary, uh, the big heavy series, we really started to come around with uh, the ozone time, went up to, you know, three and a half, four, four and a half minutes a game. And then you're playing teams like Las Vegas and Colorado and Tampa, who are high-end ozone teams throughout the league. Uh, we started to match some of that ozone time. So some of the areas that we worked on, it paid off for the group, and obviously it helped us get to where we got in the Stanley Cup Finals. And I think a lot of it had to attribute to the chemistry of the coaching staff coming together quickly and moving forward into the training camp uh, post-COVID. You know, there, there were so many storylines for, for you guys, and, and, and I said several times, Derek, as the playoffs went on, that you guys, to me, were almost starting to look like a, a team of destiny, some unlikely heroes, Kadobin playing incredible. Um, and sure, maybe, you know, there's the odd bounce or the odd break a- along the way with uh, with other teams having injuries, though that certainly did catch up to you guys uh, in the end. But I got to ask about, maybe I'll just start with Yoel Kivaranta and, and go from there. I mean, you need unlikely heroes in the playoffs. That To me, that performance in Game 7 against Colorado, that must be one of the most unlikely of all time because I, like many people, was Googling him and trying to find out more about him as he eventually wound up with a hat-trick in that game. Well, I think if you look at the stats with a hat-trick and Game 7 overtime winner, I think it was, it was only one other player in the history that was a Rocket Richard. Um, there was a stat, there were some crazy stats that uh, our players achieved in this run and, and and i agree with you on that you know the team of uh, test team of destiny we really kind of talked about that you know inside of the staff like oh this is just playing out and this is you know we need to push this and ride it and, and keep on you know pushing these guys but if you look back at the hat trick by denny gary on up there in game six against calgary you just kind of started to feel there's something good happening to this club you know joe pavelski had a hat trick and things were just kind of come around but when you saw the hat trick by Joel Kidder. I had Joel in, in Texas, and he was a he is a type of player that is uh, he competes every night. He skates well. He's got above average hockey sense and skill, and just you know, he's a type of player that is always in your face and gets things done. That's a player you want to have in a team. I like to call those players motors. He's a motor of your team, and he he drives our team. And what we saw in that in that overtime game, you all know, scored a couple big goals in the game and getting the overtime winner. So you want you break down that overtime winner like he was in front of the net, he pushed into the D, he bounced out in the slot, like he knew what he was doing. It wasn't just a fluke that he was going to get open. He knew where he was going. So it shows the hockey sense that he has and you know, he's gonna have a bright future in the NHL. You know, he's gonna be a talent killer for the Dallas Stars next year, probably a third line winger for the Dallas Stars. And you know, obviously uh he's a great free agent pickup that we uh we got out of Dallas or we got out of Finland last year and um, you know, his story was incredible. You know, you saw the, uh, the, the calls from the Finnish uh, 
announces at the end of the game. And uh, I know we're showing a lot of video of the families. I think his girlfriend, the one night had a video on her, said, Joel freaking to Kivaranka. So there was a lot of great stories, and there's a great feeling in our room. And, and just when we lost a couple guys in, in games, uh, I think it was two and three, we just kind of, you could feel, not the air deflate of the group, we just kind of feel Tampa taking over to the point where we just couldn't get back. Derek, I mean, look, you and I have done a lot of these chats over the years about your teams, about your journey. So I do want to ask you about that. I mean, coaches like players are always looking to get better, find that edge, take a, take an experience and turn it into something positive. What do, what do you really, I, 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 maybe this isn't fair because you're still digesting it. It hasn't even been 48 hours since the, the season ended. But is there anything that you're really taking out of this that, that uh, you feel is going to help you grow here? Well, the biggest thing that you, you, you're going to take out of it is the, obviously the you know being the first year in the NHL as a head coach, and then having the run that you had to the Stanley Cup Finals. It just it just doesn't happen every day. I, I've been very fortunate as a head coach. I think in the last ten years, whatever I, I started in, uh, like, like the, when I left in 2010 from Idaho to the Edmonton Oil Kings, to the Texas Stars, to the Dallas Stars. I've been in 10 league finals, uh, ECHL, three WHL, one American League final, and then the NHL final. And the biggest thing I think from this one that I can take away is it, it is a game of hockey, but at the end of the day, you know, you, you have to and you want to prepare your players to the point where they feel confident about the game plan. And then once the game plan is set, obviously you're going to let the players play and then make your in-game adjustments. And most coaches are going to tell you that. But the biggest thing is I've learned is, you know, these players want just enough information to play, and you can't give them too much because then that information overload now becomes uh, paralysis by analysis mindset. And just really, uh, you just got to give them enough and let them determine what's going to happen on the ice. I think that's one of the biggest things I've learned. And the other thing as a coach is, and I've learned this through the Western Hockey League and American League is, Sometimes you just have to sit back and let your players play. There's going to be peaks and valleys in the games and in the series. But at the end of the day, you know what? The, they feed off you. They feed off your. They can tell if you're nervous. They can tell if you're, you know, you're a little bit wild on the bench. They can, you know, they really, they kind of take on the personality of your coach. And as the farther you get in the series, that can either help you or that can either uh, be detrimental to the, uh, the series that you're in. Yeah. But that, yeah, that's, that's really good advice for sure. Uh, I had to catch myself there. I almost said enjoy your summer, but uh, <laughs> I guess we're saying enjoy enjoy the autumn and, and the winter or, or the off season, however long it's going to take. Hey, Derek, you know, thanks for coming on. Uh, you know, you, you were so great with the Oil Kings. I had Curtis Lazar on the show last week. He was still wishing you well with the Stars as the series was going on. So it's great you remain connected to Edmonton, and I do appreciate you having you on the show. Well, I appreciate that, Reed. You know, a lot of fun memories there. It was great. I, one thing that was great for me, I got the chance to go back and see Rogers. He was just starting to come out of the ground when I left, and I got a chance to see the Oil King room. I saw all the photos of the championships, the World Cup championships. They had a bunch of photos on the walls and little plaques that some of the guys had made out of sticks. And just a chance to see everybody. I wish we had a chance to see Randy Hanson and Bob Green. I did talk to them while I was down. But, uh, you know, uh, Edmonton uh, still has a place in my heart. And I've got a lot of fond memories there. Anytime you want to want me on the show, I'd be glad to uh, come on for a few minutes. Appreciate it, Derek. Take care, man. All right. Thanks. Have a great night.
That is Derek Laxdahl checking in tonight. Good to talk to him, assistant coach with the Dallas Stars. Uh, you, you can hear the uh, you can hear the disappointment, but I think also the pride in his voice talking about the journey for this year's Dallas Stars. Pretty resilient bunch. Uh, kind of ran out of gas there at the end of the Stanley Cup final to the to the Tampa Bay Lightning, who no doubt about it are very deserving champions. But really good to catch up with Derek. Inside Sports on six thirty, Chad. We'll take a quick timeout. was widely speculated yesterday the New York Rangers have indeed bought out the final year of the contract of goaltender Henrik Lundqvist that was Derek Laxdahl just on the show assistant coach for the Dallas Stars uh, flew straight to Manitoba after the uh, end of the Stanley Cup final on Monday night didn't go well for his uh, Stars team in the end but like I said a pretty resilient effort I think a lot to be uh, proud of and Derek's coaching career continues to motor along again Elliot Friedman earlier today on Twitter one situation Edmonton is monitoring Oscar Clefbaum weighing options to deal with injuries from last season one of the possibilities is surgery that could keep him out long term and then Friedman adding his absence would need to be addressed. The Oilers are going to do something on defense. Uh, by the way, I should, I should ask, no, there's no information uh, officially from the Oilers uh, on this uh, today. And now here's here's what Elliot is is reporting. And maybe I'm nitpicking here, but I, I, I don't like to go uh, get too... Um, hyper about everything i I think we got to realize what he's saying uh one situation edmonton is monitoring oscar clefbaum is weighing options to deal with injuries from last season one of the possibilities is surgery so it is not for sure that it's going to be surgery elliot friedman is not reporting that he's having or will have surgery uh but it certainly is on the table table that it's uh that's a possibility now here's another thing what does long term mean does that mean four months because if he's out four months, he's probably back for the start of the year. If it's in February, if it's uh, if he's out six months, eight months, then maybe he stays on LTIR for the entire next season. Uh, certainly would put more stress on the Oilers' defense if he was gone. Uh, there continues to be discussion about Oliver ekman Larson. What about Tyson Berry? possibly coming to the Edmonton Oilers. And then he also becomes the guy running the power play. That's another thing to uh, keep in mind, right shot defenseman for the power play. And then you still have Bouchard waiting in the wings. Jeremy from Glendon says, Hey, Reed, remember when people were complaining about the playoff format saying the Oilers deserve the last buy spot over the stars. Well, it looks like the league made the right call and the Oilers have a lot of work to do before we can start deserving things. That's from Jeremy and Glendon. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Major League Baseball, eight postseason games today. There will be no more postseason games for the Toronto Blue Jays. They have been eliminated. Uh, we're beaten pretty badly today, 8-2 by the Rays. So the Rays advance, Blue Jays done. Athletics stay alive against the White Sox with a 5-3 win. 
So that series tied 1-1. These are all best of three series, remember. Marlins win in Chicago over the Cubs, 5-1. That was game one. The Astros with a 2-0 sweep of the Twins, 3-1 victory today. Braves win game one against the Reds, 1-0. Rain delay in Cleveland in the bottom of the first. The Indians up 1-0 on the Yankees. And in the bottom of the eighth, the Cardinals are up 6-4 on the Padres, Cardinals with uh, 30 wins in the 60 games. Well, they played 58 games. They played 30 and 28. Padres were 37 and uh, 23. Uh, Brewers and Dodgers still coming up tonight. Uh, NBA Finals game one tips off at about half an hour. Football, that Tennessee-Pittsburgh game, where we got Tennessee players and staff members with, with COVID. They're hoping to play that now Monday or Tuesday. And the New York Rangers have indeed bought out the final year of the contract of goaltender Henrik Lundqvist. Cowtown Bob checking in. He says, hi, Reed. I was sorry to see the Dallas Stars fall short, but the Lightning had the qualities of great hockey players as described by Tom Cochran in his song, Big League, Real Fast and Tough. There you go. Little Canadian music reference from Cowtown Bob. Cowtown Bob, appreciate you tuning in tonight and everybody else out there as well. Hope everybody's doing great. We've been going through some crazy times for a while. I, I know the first the first show I did when we kind of got into this, the, the reality of the pandemic and sports being uh, delayed and a lot of uncertainty, uh, I, I said, if, if you just want to text or, or call and talk sports or tell a story or say hello, you can do that. That all still applies. Don't be afraid. I, like I know, I know, I have this deep, gravelly, intimidating voice. If you've ever seen pictures of me online, I mean, yeah, I got an intimidating presence. You know, I'm a, I'm a big, muscular guy, but uh, I'm really soft on the inside, right, Kellen? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh. We yeah. always we always love the listener interaction. That's what we're here for, and that's basically why i'm back here and yes you are what and you I, are so and, and i don't think it even and i don't think every anybody's ever looked at a photograph of me and become intimidated unless really thick glasses intimidates them <laughs> unless <laughs> middle-aged men unless they find middle-aged men with bifocals intimidating <laughs> that's that's about the only criteria that... well, i don't know did you ever did you ever have to tell somebody like their copy of uh, their new release they wanted to rent was out of stock or something there, that's kind of a. It's not really an intimidating moment. Well, that's just more. I was disappointed. That's just more. I was disappointing them. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I ever. I don't think I ever intimidated anybody at uh, at Blockbuster Video. <laughs> Probably just disappointed them. Yeah, sorry, the movie's not in. Yeah. Sorry, that's not released yet. Mm. Sorry, you do owe late fees. I can't waive them. All that mm. kind of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> just more disappointing. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Mark says, "Didn't Oscar Clefbaum have surgery last year?" And that's why he missed the the end of the year. So what is it this time, and why is this so injury prone? Well, this year he missed. Uh, what did he miss, Mark? About a couple game, a couple weeks, I believe. Uh, and I think he had some sort of injection into the into the shoulder. In terms of being injury prone, Mark, I think it's just I think it's just an ongoing injury issue with with the shoulder that that hasn't real really healed properly. That's that's my understanding of what is going on. But no, he did not have when when he missed some time this year, he uh, he did not have surgery. I think I think he said he got some sort of an injection, and that's why he had to miss a little bit of time. Look, there's going to be a lot of questions about this. I get it, Mark, and everybody else. Why why is it continuing to drag on? If surgery was an option. Uh, could have that 
been dealt with sooner. I mean, they were eliminated August 7th. Now, often surgery is the last the the last option. It's the last thing the athlete and the team wants to do. So maybe they, you know, he's been waiting. Maybe the Oilers have been waiting to see what happens. Again, the Oilers have not confirmed what Elliot reported, but I think we know Elliot's uh, reputation and he doesn't throw stuff out there to make waves. So I, I think there's definitely something there. We do expect there'll be some sort of media availability from Ken Holland before the draft on Tuesday. So uh, hopefully he can give us some clarity about Oscar Kleppbaum if we don't have it by then. But uh, fair question, Mark. I, I, I do think, Mark... And look, Mark, this is also just me as as a human being. I, I'm reluctant to call a player injury prone because I think there are some implications there that I, that I'm careful using that phrase. But it's it's definitely been an ongoing issue, and and it's something that they've tried some things with, and it obviously still hasn't healed properly. So maybe that maybe a surgery would help. It leads you to believe if Clefbaum is out for all or most of what I think is going to be an abbreviated season. Well, what do the Oilers do? I, I think there's a very good chance Adam Larson will be traded uh, on the left side. Oliver Ekman Larson, again, I still think he can play. That'd be a lot of contract to take on, especially if the uh, Coyotes would insist on having Broberg or Bouchard in the deal. I, I mean, Bouchard could be an NHLer, become a full-time NHLer perhaps at some point during this season. If, if not, I think you would look at the next year for sure as having him on the blue line. And probably for Broberg, you would look at, you know, a season down the road, the one where Seattle joins as, as maybe him actually being a full-time player for the Oilers. And then they're there for hopefully a long time. So do you want, um, you know, a few years of an effective OEL and then a lot of contract after that, giving up one of those players? I think I would sooner hang on to one of those two young players. Now, if Darnell Nurse becomes the Oilers' top left-handed shooting defenseman, if Clefbaum is out, that's going to be tough. Uh, we've seen what happens with Nurse when he has to play more and take a little, take on a little bit more responsibility in ice time. His performance tends to drop, and he hasn't been great running the power play when he's had an opportunity. Now, again, a name to remember in all this speculation is Tyson Berry. Could he possibly be signed as a UFA by the Oilers? Uh, so maybe Nurse has to become the top pairing five-on-five five guy, but Barry becomes the power play guy. I mean, look, we're speculating a lot at this point leading up to the draft and free agency, but just some things that, uh, just some things there to remember as we move along. Okay, uh, I appreciate more texts coming in. We'll get to as many of those as we can. We got to take a quick timeout. Kelly Rudy coming up next. All right, well, that's interesting timing. And uh, by the way, um, yeah, I was read that. I read that text from Mark. Mark, Oscar Klepom had uh, shoulder surgery in March uh, of 2018 that shut him down early in that season. Maybe that's what you're referring to in your original text. So sorry if I missed that. But uh, yes, he has had uh, surgery on a shoulder before but not this past year. It was back in, in 2018. This year when he missed some time, it was to get some sort of a, a treatment or injection on the shoulder. So anyway, he may wind up having it this off season, which is usually when the season would be. He joins us uh, every week throughout the National Hockey League season. So this will be his last appearance uh, for a little while. Welcome back to the show broadcaster, former goaltender Kelly Rudy. Kelly, how are you doing? Well, it's a big day in the Rudy household, Reed. So uh, I have some big news to tell you. 
Donna and Kelly Rudy bought a brand new deep freeze today, so that that's very exciting for us. <laughs> that's how boring our life is when the big news of the day is we have to buy a new deep freeze. Yeah, it shows how things change when you when you get older. Like, so is this, is this for is this for uh, all of Baba's pierogies or? Uh... Oh yeah, in fact it is. And my mom, uh, I'm gonna go get her. I think next week, and uh, I, I don't know what our. Uh, uh, pet ahead total is in the house but uh, i'm sure donna and uh, the girls and grandma will get get at it and that was one of the concerns seriously about the size of the deep breeds because we need uh room for the progies or as we call them pet ahead and uh you gotta you know put them out on the pans and so that was a consideration so we ended up buying a deep breeze bigger than what we probably need but now we're safe well, I always say that that is exciting, and I always say a sign that I knew I was truly maturing is when I started getting excited about getting socks for Christmas. Like, you know when you're a kid and you get socks for Christmas and you're like, oh, I thought it was like some kind of toy in there. But now, like probably in my mid to late 20s, it'd be like when I got socks for Christmas, I'd be like, oh, thank God. Like, I need socks and you always forget to buy them and I got to throw a whole bunch out. So socks, deep freeze. I had my own stupid socks routine. So after the playoffs and the long grind, I'd be away from home for, I don't know, two months or maybe a little bit more recently. And uh, that's when I, so my socks were ruined from going into the studio every day. So that's when I'd have to go to the bay and resupply. So that's how, that's again, how my brain thinks. But uh, everything has to be in a particular order also. Yeah. Oh, really? Like even you're still oh, yeah. like you're you're still like that a bit, even uh, though you're not playing. You got routines. Oh, more so than ever, yeah. Rita. And you know, my kids laugh at me now because, and it's not a laughing matter, of course. But uh, we do joke about uh, mental health in our family on occasion at the right time, and uh, just so nobody's offended by that comment, uh, we are a family that live uh, with mental health issues, and so that is kind of how my brain works. And my kids tease me about my OCD and how it uh, props or shows up every once in a while in particular when i travel read uh if you were to go into my uh my uh hotel room and look in my bathroom you'd see everything is organized in a particular way and so uh i think it's it's kind of comical and it you know it doesn't it doesn't get me to the point where i can't live or it's unmanageable if i can't do that but i definitely prefer to do that it's just the strangest thing right yeah well routines are important i can get that it, yeah. certain, uh, certain things yeah. make you feel comfortable uh, absolutely well yeah. good to have you checking in here it's it's obviously been a strange uh a strange season and usually we're we're starting up your weekly appearances around this time of year uh but yeah, i guess right. in 2020 uh we're, we're gonna wind down for a while after this one but hey i, I want to ask you first and i was talking about a little bit about this with rob brown yesterday too from his career and he lost the stanley cup final in 92 with chicago uh, you guys went uh, to the Stanley Cup final against Montreal in 93, and, and Montreal won that one in five. Can you take me into the dressing room after the game, after the series, and suddenly, you know, there's there's no bounce back, right? There's no, we'll, we'll sure. get them next time. Well, what happens? Who, if anything, who, if anybody said anything? Um, well, Barry Melrose was our coach. Uh, Cap Raider was our assistant coach. And... Uh, Cap was beside Barry, and Barry addressed us. Um, very short, uh, he was uh, he complimented us on our effort uh, the entire year. Um, he was it was really nice. It, it felt great to hear what he uh, 
was saying because it's a very empty feeling. Uh, I've lost uh, plenty, and I've lost in the first round. I've lost in the second round, and so on. And and uh, but to lose in the finals, I found to be at the time uh, completely heartbreaking, um, despair. Uh, I would have to say that I, at the time, I thought I knew. I thought I could comprehend what this loss would mean to me, but I, but I certainly didn't because it still affects me to this day. I think I don't know what Rob uh, felt like yesterday when he was sharing his experiences, but it's very raw and very emotional, and I still get that way. Um, I don't believe anybody else said anything. I don't think any of the other players, including Wayne, said anything. I think we're just so crushed and... Uh, I believe we were slow in getting undressed. Uh, we still had to. We're flying home right after the game, and so we uh, there was a bit of a mini riot outside the Montreal Forum at the time, and uh, we got caught up in that. And it was just a just a terrible way to end the season. Uh, what, what what did Rob say? Well, he told a few stories, but but the one thing he said. Um... He, he, now, you guys had to get out of there and get on a plane. He, his recollections were that nobody wanted to get undressed. That yeah. He, and, yeah. you know, no, you're either looking down or looking up at the ceiling, and nobody wanted to start taking their equipment off because because you realize that's the last time you're going to be sitting there as a team together, that team, you know? Yeah, I remember something similar. Like, we were really slow in getting out of the arena. Like, it was... It felt like a lifetime, and uh, I don't know what the time frame would have been, but I, I know that uh, we were not in a hurry. Uh, normally, after a game, when you're getting on a plane, you are there's a, a limit. Like, okay, everybody uh, on the bus in 20 minutes or 25 minutes. Like, it's let's get out of here, uh, knowing fully that you still have media responsibilities. But uh, at that time, I think we there was no rush. Well, you know, what what did it matter if we landed back in LA at three in the morning or four in the morning? We had uh, three or four months off, or I guess maybe not at that point, but two and a half months off. So an extra hour uh, in the dressing room wasn't going to make a big difference. So just a really empty feeling. I, uh, I always think about that because uh, whenever a team loses in the final, my first thought really is not about the excitement, but the the crushing blow that the loss is. And I, I always look at the, those players and how they handle it. And it still gets me. Like I was, uh, you know, just looking uh, at uh, the losing team and I was thinking, boy, those, those poor guys, I know what it's, what it's like. They, they uh, did everything they possibly could. And uh, unfortunately for them, Dallas, they, they had an amazing run, but uh, you know, you, the other thing is, I know I'm rambling here. I, I always think, Will any of these guys ever get back in the finals? I don't know. I don't know what that answer is. Well, that's a great way to put it. I mean, we're going to be adding a 30-second team for the the next season after the, the uncertain one yeah. coming up. And, uh, I mean, you guys talked about it on your broadcast. Uh, I can't remember if it was uh, you guys or, or Craig and Jim, but, uh, you know, Corey Perry was there as a rookie, right? And yeah, Anaheim had yeah. a lot of good teams, and, and they never actually yeah. got back to the final. And now he gets Absolutely. back, uh, you know, Ovechkin. Now he, he won it, but, you know, all those great Washington teams have just been there uh, yeah. once. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's that's a good point. It's not it's not a six-team league, you, you know. it's uh, A lot needs yeah. to go right along the way. And for Tampa Bay, you know, obviously they're very deep, um, was that the biggest factor to you that they, they were deeper and maybe Dallas, like Dallas looked too, like they just, 
I think the will was there, but I just don't know if the 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 legs and the engine was running where they needed it to be in Game Six. They looked a little worn down to me too. Absolutely, and then I think Cassie uh, talked about the injuries that they were trying to overcome, which you can in a short term, but uh, that's just not going to be the case. Like I've, I've shared the conversation many times with the Easter Epic that uh, going into that game, we were without uh, Dennis Potvin, uh, Mike Bossy, Brent Sutter, and Dennis or uh, Brian Trotcher was playing with separated shoulders. So we got through that game, but knowing that you know we're going to be playing Philly the next round and that was going to be awfully difficult missing players like that and so that's what uh, you think about with Dallas that man they just had so many beaten up guys and I'm not sure if their team was quite as deep as Tampa's I I thought Tampa's second and third line could have been the difference maker like the point line of course they were brilliant but you kind of expected that but uh, you know when you get uh, performances in particular I thought the third line was just absolutely amazing for Tampa with Gord Coleman and Goodrow and those two uh, trade deadline deals for Goodrow and Coleman were just remarkable deals because those guys were excellent players not only uh, five on five but they're great penalty killers for Tampa as well yeah that, that's a really good point Kelly Rudy joining us tonight on Inside Sports uh, okay let's let's touch on uh, an Oilers headline from today that uh, you know, perhaps Oscar Clefbaum is uh, is going to undergo surgery here, which puts his return in question. Though, of course, the the start of the next season in question. But you know, it sounds like if he goes down that road, it would be longer term. L- a lot of speculation too about Oliver Ekman Larson. Should the Oilers pursue? Maybe last couple of years not as good as his previous years in the NHL. The, the thing about Ekman Larson for me, Kelly, is is how much term he has left on his contract i mean he's only 29 which i don't consider old and i consider him far from washed up but you know i guess for me i i would worry about taking on a deal of that length what about you well in particular with the salary cap issues that everybody's going to be having moving forward here in at least the next two years for sure and so i'm not sure a lot of people are going to be wanting term and that number i i believe he's just north of eight million a year isn't he i yeah i i'm uh yeah, so listen, he is a great player, and I think every team in the league would love to have that guy, even at that number in a in a regular uh, season. But uh, with what we're going through with the pandemic and knowing what the salary cap issues teams are going to have, it's going to be flat for the, at least the next couple of years. That's quite the number to take on. Um, if you like Alex Edler, and I do in Vancouver, uh, Ekman Larson is a similar player, but but better. And so I think that for me, Edler is a guy that's uh, really, really good when he's really good, but a little bit inconsistent. Uh, And you get better quality minutes from uh, Ekman Larson. And I think he's more consistent overall. I I know what you said about last couple of years, maybe haven't been as good, but when you watch him live, he's a, he's an exceptional player. I should ask you another storyline today. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist, um, Last 15, I mean, to me, last 15 years, it's probably he and Price as the best goalies in the NHL. And it's funny, I saw someone tweet out today, uh, what superstars, even on, a, on an opposing team, do you find almost impossible to hate? <laughs> and the, that was because of, because of Lundqvist. I mean, my buddy, uh, one of my best friends a few years ago, um, went out for a beer the night before a game between the Rangers and the Oilers, and Lundqvist was there by himself just having a beer or a drink. And my yeah. buddy just went up to him and said, can I get a picture? And he said Lundqvist was just the most down-to-earth, friendliest guy ever, just just 
hanging out, saying hi to the fans who recognized him. Uh, great career with the Rangers. We'll see where he winds up, but a pretty incredible goalie. Well, pretty uh, uh, easy guy to recognize too, right? Like, yeah. not many of yeah. us look like him. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's got that on us. Um, but uh, yeah, phenomenal career. Um, you know, I just think that you know, in terms of that person going up to uh, Lundqvist, I've got to tell you, and I think you and I have chatted about this uh, as well. I suppose there's a bad person somewhere in Sweden, but I've never met a hockey player that's a bad guy. I guess, you know, they might have the odd person that uh, has done some bad things, but uh, I've never run into a bad Swede ever, and I've played with a lot of them. And uh, they're, for whatever reason, I'm, so, I sort of gravitate towards those guys because they're just so darn nice, and even if they're the, you know, the best player around, they're, they're still you know, very respectful of everybody and down earth. So I just thought I'd share that with you because I have r- run into the odd bad North American guy that I couldn't stand, but uh, not the case for a Swede. But, uh, yeah, um, he's going to go down as one of the greatest goaltenders of all time. I, I feel badly. He's only been to the Cup Finals once, and he lost as well. Um, I Personally, you know, there, here's this the one thing I have on him. I, I didn't like how he handled that loss. Now, everybody handles the loss differently, but I recall it was in L.A. I believe Alex, Alex Martinez scored in double overtime to knock the Rangers out, and the Ranger teammates came down to console Lundqvist, and and he didn't want any part of it. Like, and I, I've never asked him what his what he was feeling at the time, but I kind of thought like he kind of showed them up. Like, this loss hurts me more than it hurts everybody else. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just my mind going to work, and maybe it's a totally unfair comment. But aside from that, he's a remarkable player, and go down as uh, not not only the best Rangers goalie, even though he didn't win a Stanley Cup, but uh, incredible all time. Kelly, it's always incredible to have you on the show. Uh, we're obviously going to keep in touch, and you will be back on the airwaves. TBA. You got it. We when do you don't think know. this might be? Uh, Gary Bettman said he's hoping December 1st. I'm hearing from people that most likely an, uh, an early start would be January, but uh, we'll see. I, I know I'm ready to go back to work here in the next little bit again, but uh, I know that's not going to be possible. Right on. Thanks, Kelly. Kelly Rudy, presented by Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian, store Canadian. Head to sentinel.ca. We're back after the news. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season 6 of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.